Okay, we're going to get started this evening. It's a joy to see you all here tonight, uh, ready to worship the Lord in prayer. I want to start off by clearing something up. Some people were under the impression that Colby was going to teach every single Wednesday night this summer. That's not true. <laughs> I would never do that to the poor guy. Uh, he is going to be teaching five times on Wednesday nights and three times on Sunday morning, with this Sunday being uh, the first uh, Sunday morning message he's going to deliver. And so I'm excited what he's going to be teaching on on Sunday mornings regarding personal evangelism and our heart for the gospel. And so you can be in prayer for him as he prepares for those messages. But for tonight, we're continuing to grow in our knowledge of how to pray according to God's will by studying Paul's imp- inspired prayers that are recorded for us in the pages of the New Testament. By listening on, on Paul's uh, God-breathed prayers to heaven, we're learning what to adore, appreciate, ask for, and amen in our own prayer lives. We considered first what we ought to adore in prayer, and the answer is we ought to adore God. We ought to worship Him, just like the angels do in heaven. We ought to praise God for the type of God that He is. Don't just always ask God for something, but praise Him for who He is. Tonight we're finishing up the second section, is what we ought to appreciate or thank God for in prayer. And our prayers of thanksgiving should always start with Jesus. He is the best gift that God has ever given. He is the best gift of them all. And then, as we thank God for Jesus, we ought to thank God for all the gifts that come with Jesus as well. We've seen so far that we ought to thank God for the gifts of spiritual victory, grace, faith, hope, love, life, growth, and ministry. Well, tonight we're going to consider the last thing that we ought to appreciate and thank God for, and that is each other. We ought to thank God for the gift of giving us each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. This comes from Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, where Paul writes these words, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So this is Paul offering up a prayer of appreciation that God has given us each other. But before we look further into this passage, let's just talk to God together tonight and ask him to teach us what he has written in his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to open up your word. We thank you that you've spoken to us, and we thank you that you have shown us what we ought to thank you for in our own prayers. And as we thank you for all the many gifts that you've given us here in this life, help us, Father, not to neglect the, uh, one of the greatest gifts of all, and that is the body of Christ, that is each other, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, Father, I pray that you would cause us to remember what a great gift it is to be among the church and to be counted as your sons and daughters tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said before, this is Paul offering up a prayer of appreciation as he thanks God for the gift of giving us each other. He says in verses 3 through 4, I thank my God for you all. And the people that Paul was specifically giving thanks for in this passage was the believers located in Philippi. It was a small city located in northern Greece. And these believers in Philippi had a special place in Paul's heart because he had experienced many special things with them. 
If you want to read all about it, it's recorded in Acts chapter 16. But basically it all begins when Paul and his friends enter the town and see a woman named Lydia and some other worshipers of God gathering down at the river to pray. Paul and his friends join them and they share with them the good news of Jesus Christ, that he was God the Son who had come to earth so that he could pay for the sins of anyone who trusts in him and by dying on the cross in their place. And so those by the river heard this good news about Jesus Christ, believed, and for the very first time in that moment, the gospel entered the European continent for the first time out of a time of prayer which is really cool to think about when you consider what we're doing here tonight. Whenever you see churches beginning or growing or spreading in the book of Acts, you'll always see prayer happening. The church begins in prayer, the church spreads by prayer, and when you study the book of Revelation, the church climaxes in prayer. Basically, when you study Scripture, what you realize is that the church is an entity that is blown along, if you will, by the winds of prayer. And that's what what we're doing tonight is so exciting because it means that as we gather together as a church to pray, God will be on the move tonight as we're praying, blowing each one of us in the direction that he wants us to go. And you see that in Philippi. Out of that riverside prayer meeting, you see the miraculous creation of a church, followed by the miraculous deliverance of a slave girl, followed by a miraculous deliverance and rescue out of prison by an earthquake. And all of this happens in the midst of so much trial and hardship. In spite of Satan's best efforts, God was still on the move as he led his people by the winds of prayer. And so as Paul thinks back on the Philippian believers, as he remembers Lydia and all those down by the river, as he recalls the slave girl that was redeemed from her oppression, as he recalls the centurion and his family who had surrendered their lives as a whole to Jesus Christ, he breaks out in a prayer of thanksgiving by praying, I thank God for you all. And we're going to look at his prayer of thanksgiving tonight by looking at the reality of of Paul's thankfulness in verses 3 through 4, followed by the reason for Paul's thankfulness in verses 5 through 6. So first, let's see the reality of his thankfulness in verses 3 through 4. Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. So here we're shown that Paul's thankfulness for the Philippians was genuine. It was real. And we see this in two ways. We see it in the fact that Paul's prayers of thanksgiving were comprehensive and comforting. First, it was comprehensive. Listen to all the absolute terms that Paul uses here. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all. So every time, think about that, every time that Paul remembered any of the Philippians, he always thanked God for them. Paul's thankfulness for the Philippians was comprehensive, and second, it was comforting. See, even though Paul was in prison at this time, being afflicted, as verse 17 says, by many mean-spirited rivals, Paul still says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all. And this is how Paul is offering up all those prayers of thanksgiving. He says, making my prayer with what? Joy. With joy. In other words, In other words, this is what caused Paul to pray thankful prayers for the Philippians. It was joy, joy over the Philippian believers. Now, joy basically means having a positive disposition or outlook on something. It's the opposite of being gloomy. If you like 
Winnie the Pooh, it's the opposite of being Eeyore, okay? To have joy is to see things from a positive perspective. And so what we find out here is that Paul had such a positive outlook and opinion about the believers in Philippi that that joy caused him to erupt into thanksgiving. It's just like a volcano. Paul's joy kept on building up to the point where it finally exploded into prayers of thanksgiving to God. To use a dorky illustration that I thought my my son would appreciate if he was here, but he's not. They're sick tonight. But anyway, if Paul was Coca-Cola, if he was a Coca-Cola bottle, then the lives of the Philippian believers was like Mentos tablets, right? If you've ever seen that happen, you drop them into a Coca-Cola bottle and it explodes upwards, right? Every time Paul remembered the Philippians and how they were living, it caused an explosion of joy to erupt out of him. So I have a question for you tonight. Does the way you live your life cause joy to build up in the lives of the believers around you? Do you produce explosions of thanksgiving from other believers because of how God's grace is actively transforming your life? The Philippians did. God's transforming grace was so at work in their life that it caused Paul to erupt in joy and thanksgiving even in the midst of much affliction. So that's the reality of Paul's thankfulness. So now let's consider what was it about those Philippian believers that caused such explosions of joy in the heart of Paul? What is the reason for his thankfulness? That's in verses 5 through 6. And here we find out that Paul erupted in thanksgiving over the Philippians because of three things. Because of their shared partnership, because of their shared progress, and because of their shared prospect. Those were the three elements that caused Paul to give thanks for them. First, for their shared partnership. Paul says at the beginning of verse 5, I thank God for you all. Why? Because he says of your partnership in the gospel. In other words, they were focused on the same mission that Paul was focused on. That is to know the gospel, to grow in the gospel, and to go out with the gospel. Paul and the Philippians had the same purpose and were going in the same direction. And so just like two soldiers that are moving across the battlefield, they became partners in the gospel, striving ahead for the exact same goal. As Paul says later on in chapter 1, verse 27, they were with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. They had each other's backs in a sense. And notice their partnership, this is for some of you adults, was theologically grounded. Their partnership, he says, was in what? In the desire for unity. Nope. In the gospel. In the gospel, right? This was not a fellowship that we often see in our world today, a fellowship by the lowest common denominator. This is not, you hardly believe anything, and guess what? I hardly believe anything, and so let's get together and believe hardly anything together, right? That is not what Paul is describing here. This was a partnership in the truth, a partnership in the gospel. Again, like two soldiers that are running across the battlefield and don't recognize each other at the same time. Whose side are you on, right? Are you saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone? And are you living according to the pages of Scripture alone? You are, and you do? Then let's go, brother, because we have a field to take, right? Their partnership was in the gospel, In the gospel, and as Paul thought of all the times that the Philippians had stood alongside him for the faith of the gospel, it filled his heart with joy and it caused him to erupt in thanksgiving. So, if you want to cause the hearts of other believers around you to likewise erupt in thanksgiving, then guess what you got to do? 
You've got to give yourself to the cause of the gospel. Right? Make knowing the gospel, growing in the gospel, and going with the gospel the most important priority in your life. And you will become a cause of thanksgiving among God's people. Just as we see here with Paul, he was thankful to God for the Philippians because of their shared partnership, and second, because of their shared progress. Paul says here, I thank God for you all. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel. Notice, from the first day until now. See, the relationship that the Philippians had with Paul wasn't static. It wasn't always the same. It was progressive, if I can use that term here. It grew, and it matured, and it developed, and it deepened. There was a progress to their relationship from the first day until now. Paul talks about that first day of their partnership with him later in Philippians 4, 14 through 16, when he says this, Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So the relationships between the Philippians and Paul started off with just practical support. But it progressed, as verses 29 through 30 of chapter 1 points out, to strong spiritual devotion, one for another, right? As they stood with Paul, even in the midst of much suffering and conflict. Paul and the Philippians possessed shared progress. The Philippian believers were progressing. They were growing. They were working out their own salvation with fear and trembling. And Paul had seen that happen over time. And so every time he was reminded of their spiritual growth and progress, it caused Paul to erupt in thanksgiving. So again, if you're not growing in your Christian life, then you're not going to be a cause for thanksgiving, but rather of discouragement for other believers, right? But if you want to cause the hearts of other believers around you to erupt in thanksgiving, say it be your parents that are watching you. Say it might be your teachers or your spiritual leaders that are watching you, right? If you want to cause the hearts of the believers around you to erupt in thanksgiving, then you must give yourself to growing in your walk with God. Grow in your time spent in God's Word. Grow in your time spent in prayer. Grow in your time of fellowshipping and desiring other believers. And as God causes you to grow by His grace, those around you will see that growth and will erupt in joyful thanksgiving to God for the shared progress they see in your life. Just as the Apostle John said, I have no greater joy than to see that my children are walking in the truth. You will become a cause of thanksgiving among God's people as you progress. And just as we see here with Paul, he was thankful to God for the Philippians because of their shared partnership, shared progress, and finally, their shared prospect. Paul says in verse 6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is the final reason why Paul overflowed in thanksgiving towards the Philippians. It was because he knew that they had a shared prospect and future. What was that shared future? It was the day of Christ Jesus See, even though the Philippians were facing hardship, and even though they were suffering uh, conflict, they were still facing glory. And because of that, Paul could have joy. He could have a positive perspective both on his life and on the lives of the Philippians he cared about because both of them had a shared prospect, the prospect of future glory. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I think this is very helpful for us to remember, especially as I look out on you and I think of the other faces I see on Sunday morning and then I think about the names that are written on this prayer list. 
Many of us here and many of the people on this list have lost children, lost spouses, lost jobs, lost health, but we have not lost together our shared prospect that he who began a good work in us is bringing it to completion and will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. God has a long-term plan for each one of us that reaches far beyond our temporal heartaches and pains. And that plan is this, to share one day in the glory that belongs to Jesus Christ himself. All things are working together towards that good, towards that goal. Everything is building up to that glorious moment, every struggle and every pain we ever go through. And though life might get dark at times, in this valley, you could say, called life, I've been reading Pilgrim's Progress, there is a high country in which no shadows lie, a heavenly home that our Good Shepherd is leading us towards, and when we get there, the view from the top will take our breath away. And every day here on earth, and every step through the shadows will be seen as worth it all in the light of the wonders to come. And so we can even give thanks over believers who are struggling because we know we have a shared prospect with them, a day of glory in the presence of Jesus. In light of that, we can give thanks. So if you want to cause the hearts of other believers around you to erupt in thanksgiving, then keep your eyes fixed on our shared prospect. Let your thoughts and your dreams and your conversations be so filled with the truths of Christ and what's to come that when people come in contact with you, they get a little taste of heaven and erupt in thanksgiving for the glory of God. See, I think this is important to remember because as I began studying this passage, it was like, oh, thank God for each other, right? If we're to be honest, though, there have been some believers that we've come in contact with that we weren't always terribly thankful for. Is that correct? (laughs) Sometimes this is a struggle to give thanks for other brothers and sisters in Christ. And as I started thinking about it, I was like, you know why? It's because often those brothers and sisters that we struggle to give thanks to, either our hearts are wrong or their hearts are are not in partnership with the gospel. Their hearts are not progressing in grace, and their hearts are not heavenly-minded, set towards glory. And it's hard to give thanks for believers like that, but when Paul looked upon the Philippians, he saw partnership, he saw progress, and he saw that shared prospect of headed towards heaven, and because of that, he was able to, with great ease, give thanks for the Philippian believers. Just as we see here with Paul, he was thankful to God for the Philippians because of their shared partnership, shared progress, and shared prospect. There are two ways, when I was thinking about it, that we can apply this passage tonight. First, the first conviction of my heart as I was going through this is let's pray that we would become people who produce thanksgiving. It would be Mentos tablets to other people's Coca-Cola, if you will. Right? Let's pray that God would give us a shared partnership together of knowing the gospel, growing in the gospel, and going out with the gospel. Let's pray that God would give us a shared progress of growing in grace and in our relationships with each other. And let's pray that God would give us a shared prospect of setting our minds on things to come and on the one who is coming. That we would have the type of life as believers that produces joy in the hearts of others, that erupts in thanksgiving for the glory of God. And then second, how to apply this passage is let's thank God for each other here in this church, just as Paul does here. 
We have here at Grace Chapel, whether you recognize it or not, a shared partnership, shared progress, and shared prospect that we ought to be thankful for. If you don't appreciate this church, I do encourage you, take two or three weeks away and go to other churches in the area, and then come back. And I think you'll appreciate the work that God has done over many generations here in our place. We have here at Grace Chapel, first, a shared partnership in the gospel. That is a wonderful gift that we ought to give thanks to God for. Now, do we jostle and trip over each other at times as we run across the field of battle? Sure, right? Well, at least we're running in the same direction, and we're on the same team, and we have the same mission. Not all churches can say that. Praise God we can say that here at Grace Chapel. We ought to thank God for each other because we have a shared partnership. Second, we have a shared progress. Are we... Are we as a body of believers are what we ought to be? No, but praise God we're not what we used to be. <laughs> and praise God that he is slowly making us into the sons and daughters that we ought to be. We as a church experience together a shared progress. God is at work in our lives and in our fellowship, and we ought to thank God for that. We have a shared partnership. We have a shared progress. And finally, we here at Grace Chapel have a shared prospect. Are there trials and bitter hardships along the path of life that many of us are walking? Yes, but at least we don't have to walk that path alone. We have the Spirit and we have each other. Praise God for those here around us who draw near, who hear our burdens and prayers, who bear us up before the throne of grace, and who walk this earthly journey with us until we make it home. We have a shared prospect that we can share together with each other and encourage each other by and look forward to together. And we ought to thank God for that. We have a shared partnership, a shared progress, and a shared prospect. So I encourage us all tonight, let's join Paul in his prayer of thanksgiving tonight, and let's just thank God for the family that he's given us here at Grace Chapel. What a gift, the fellowship we have together. So let's thank God that he has given us each other.